Today, I want to talk about the beautiful ordinary. In a world that celebrates and strives for extraordinary, the reality is most of us live ordinary. And the way the world would say that's less than. And people who believe that lie spend their lives striving to leave their lives or transform them into some sort of mythical more. Or they just shrink their lives, not giving the beautiful ordinary they live enough credit. You hear it, for example, when people say just about their work. Just that that Trader Joe's down the block, just freelancing right now, about their ambition, just taking a class here and there, even about what they enjoy. Oh, it's just a hobby. Oh, it's just for fun. I'd like to invite you to take just a minute, pause this podcast, and list your ordinary. Just broadly, what marks an ordinary day for you? What happens in an ordinary week or month? As you look at that list, which way are you pulled? Do you look at your ordinary and think that you should strive for extraordinary, for a mythical more? Or do you shrink your life, downplay it to just the stuff you do? How does God see our ordinary? I wonder. Does God wish our lives were extraordinary? Is God always a little disappointed we aren't more Does God look at our efforts, relationships, and recreation and say, oh yeah, them, they're just ordinary? I don't think so. On the contrary, I think God has always imagined we'd experience fullness of life in the ordinary. Where on this earth, we live in joy and peace. If we read Isaiah 55, for example, it talks about the mountains and the hills bursting into song, the trees of the field clapping their hands. In Revelation, animals sing, holy, 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 but they do it by snuffling at roots and fluffing at their feathers. Ordinary. Today we're in Romans 12, starting in verse 1, and this is the way N.T. Wright has translated these verses. So my dear family, this is my appeal to you by the mercies of God. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and appropriate worship. Christians are now to offer themselves as living sacrifices, pleasing God through their true worship. Now, the Christians Paul is writing to are to be, to live the sort of worship that the sacrificial system in the Old Testament was always pointing to. It's a theme you see in the Old Testament prophets as well, where sacrifices are all well and good, but the point is not just doing sacrifices, but living in a way that aligns with God's character, particularly living with justice. Importantly, Paul is not saying that as opposed to the physical worship of the Old Testament, we now worship spiritually. He explicitly mentions Christians' bodies as being presented to God, meaning that spiritual worship, whatever that is, it happens in these bodies that live and move through the world. Yes, it happens as we gather, sing, pray, but those particular expressions of worship first are done by our bodies, not to leave them, and second are part of a whole life rhythm with God. In other words, sometimes this gets tangled and we hear that we should live lives of worship. Then we go looking outside our ordinary for the extra spiritual worshipful things that God wants. But perhaps more to the heart of it is that we live lives as worship. Our lives as worship, the regular ones we are actually living. Our church's mission statement 
is that we want to follow Jesus into the world together. And it gets at the very thing Paul is saying. We want to live beautifully ordinary lives as worship. Paul goes on to expand how this happens and writes, What's more, don't let yourselves be squeezed into the shape dictated by the present age. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your minds so you can work out what God's will is, what is good, acceptable, and complete. Sometimes we mention how the Bible talks about ages, which is a squishy combination of the time and the culture, when things are happening and what the culture is like. For Paul, the present age is the one where empire rules. Oppression's rampant. Inequity keeps people from life. The present age seems to be all around us. But according to Paul, with the death and resurrection of Jesus, the age to come is here. The age to come is when the world really is in harmony with and reflective of God's own character. A world that works in a way that matches who God is. The age to come is overlapping on top of the present age, and Christians, Paul's saying, should start living like it, living age-to-come lives in the midst of the present age, living beautifully ordinary lives that align with God's character in a world that wants you to strive for extraordinary or shrink your ordinary. Notably, age-to-come logic seems illogical in the present age, And vice versa, present age logic seems illogical to those practicing aligning with the age to come where God rules. Two things happened a few weeks ago that can frame to some degree what Paul is getting at here. The first is Patagonia selling off the company in order to have massive contributions for the sake of climate justice. Now, Mr. Patagonia, I don't think necessarily made this age to come sort of choice because of Jesus. I don't happen to know that in particular. What is more important about Mr. Patagonia's choice to sell the company is how incredibly illogical it seems to those who live in values that are present age oriented, where capitalism is king and everything can be mechanized for the sake of more. On the other hand, we saw in the news cycle migrants being taken to Martha's Vineyard, cruelly left there after having been lied to. And you look at that event And it only works if you have present age logic about power and people's value. And both events beget the question, what kind of person would do something like that? Age to come lives accord with God's will and God's character. The present age wants to conform us to its ways and its logic and its value. But people who are being conformed to the image of Christ live in ways that reflect the logic and the values of the age to come when the world works in a way that matches who God is. And now all of this, it requires the use of our minds because God is not hoping that people become automatons who do what they're told. God hopes that the people of God become mature humans and that as mature humans, we think through and live in ways that reflect God's character in our contexts. When Paul says, so that you all can work out the will of God, what's good, acceptable, and complete, we may emphasize the work, afraid to get God's will wrong, but perhaps we should try emphasizing the you, so that you can work out what God's will is, good, acceptable, and complete. Especially because God's will is often found less in the particular things we're supposed to do, although sometimes that's the case and more often in the people we are becoming. Since God has chosen 
to share power and give real agency to us people. It's so important we become people who use that power and agency for the sake of the world in ways that match who God is. The key question becomes, how are we becoming, you and I, in our beautiful ordinary, more like God, the kind of people who would do the kinds of things that God would do? As you read on in Romans 12, you see some examples of how Paul thinks this should look for this little house church in Rome. Romans 12, 3 to 8, that they'd be humble and see themselves as interconnected and belonging to each other, that they'd use what they have and can to do things that help and serve each other. Romans 12, 9, be truly affectionate in showing love for each other, compete with each other in giving mutual respect. 12, 14, bless those who persecute you, bless them, don't curse them, celebrate with those who are celebrating, mourn with those who mourn. Around here at our church, we say, orient your life around sacrifice, openness, authenticity, diversity, and relationship. Let those values mark you as a person. Join us as we figure out how to let those values mark us as a community. Let's see if our church life can help us live the rest of our beautiful, ordinary lives such that we live the one another's neighbor well and do justice for the glory of God. Amen.